Well, hello, 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 and welcome to episode eight of the Tata Cancer podcast. In today's episode, we're going to be talking with clinical sexologist and sex coach Christine D'Angelo. She and I are going to cover a bunch of topics about breast cancer and sexuality or the lack thereof, I guess you could say. So we have a lot of great tips from her as well as... um, I don't know, some laughs. I will warn you, this episode is pretty raw. Both Christine and I are very, very open people. So, um, you know, if you are squeamish about talking about sex or talking about sex toys or sexuality or um, clitoral dullness, I guess, (laughs) then, you know, you may... I'm not going to say skip this episode because I would say maybe you need to listen to this episode even more, but um, I hope you enjoy it. I can't wait to share it with you. So let's let's do that. Let's do it. Hello and welcome to the Tata Cancer Podcast, where we will discuss the physical and mental elements of healing from a breast cancer diagnosis. My name is Junie Boucher. I'm a nutritional therapy practitioner and a breast cancer survivor. When you're diagnosed with breast cancer, you're forced to make life-changing decisions with so much information that's really hard to sift through. My intention is to help provide you with the information you need to make a decision that's going to align your body, mind, and heart so that you can live your best life going forward. I'm going to be your new breast friend. Okay, let's do this. The information contained in this podcast is for educational purposes only and should not be considered medical advice. Please always consult with your doctor for any of your medical needs. So without further ado, I would like to introduce Christine D'Angelo. She is a clinical sexologist and certified sex coach. Thank you so much for being here, Christine. Thanks for having me, Junie. How are you today? I'm good. I'm experiencing a little bit of neck pain. I think we I slept funny last night, so it's like I feel like I'm oh, I'm no. doing the robot all day. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh, that is the worst. How come? Yeah, that crick in the neck thing. Ugh. It goes yeah. for me. I feel like as I've gotten older, it will last for a long time. It's like mm-hmm. days. Yeah, it doesn't go away by the afternoon anymore. <laughs> No. Yeah. And you smell like a medicine cabinet all day. <laughs> oh, do you use Ben Gay? Have you like gone to that like stage the, of life? The patches. So yeah, it still oh, smells yeah. like it, you know? Right. Right. Yeah, totally. That's like the uh, scent of a woman in middle age. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah. Right. <sighs> so Chris, as is if, if you could not tell Christine and I are our friends, I adore her. Um, and I am so excited to have you talk today about just sexuality during mm-hmm. this very challenging period of time for women and beyond, you know, mm-hmm. there, there are so many things that we can touch on today, but before we go into anything, can you just tell us what, it, what a certified sex coach and being a clinical sexologist really means? Because, you know, everybody's like, does she stand by with a whistle and like a playlist and she's directing you to you know, tell us, tell us more, tell us everything. 
Well, I do love black and white, but I don't wear a striped shirt while I coach. So (laughs) (laughs) there's that. Um, So what I do is I I'm a coach. I hold people accountable. I guide people towards their goals. Right. So that's kind of like what a coach does. But kind of the, the difference in my style is I am coaching women and couples towards sexual fulfillment and whatever that looks like for them, everyone kind of comes in with, you know, different concerns, different goals that they're wanting to achieve. Um, But there are definitely some, uh, you know, repetitive concerns that come in. So um, what I do is talk only So we're in session, we're talking things over, we're processing stuff, it's education, it's exploration, it's exposure to certain things. And before you know it, you're at your goal. So um, it's, it's, it's small steps towards the goal. And um, it's, it's home assignment based. So you are Mm -hmm. in session, we're talking about stuff, but then I'm also giving you assignments to work uh, towards your goal at home in the privacy of your own home, sexual homework. Yeah. I mean, my favorite homework to give is go masturbate. (laughs) Oh, okay. You need to masturbate more, go self-pleasure. Like, let's talk about it. Uh, and, and so we, there's always a giggle about that. Okay. Now let's talk about orgasms, you know, and everyone's like, Oh, okay. (laughs) Right. That's basically what I do. Okay. Well, I, I think that's amazing. Thanks. <laughs> so many questions. <laughs> um, so one of the things, well, one of the reasons why I thought of you to be on the podcast is just because, and I, I know that dating is something that you, you really like to specialize in and that you feel like dating advice is, is something that you are really good at. And I guess one of the things that has been coming up for me as someone who's had a mastectomy, I I was in a relationship at the time of my cancer diagnosis. And then that relationship has since evolved into something else, you know, we're Mm -hmm. friends now. And I think about this anxiety (laughs) I have when I consider the idea of dating a new person. And I think the young breast cancer community, that's an issue that is specific to Mm -hmm. our demographic, you know, we are sometimes single during our treatment and sometimes relationships end. Mm-hmm. And that's something I see a lot of. And in terms of moving into a new relationship, do you have any advice for how to approach that with a new partner? I do. I think it's difficult for especially women in general because we tend to struggle with our body image in general. Yeah. It just being in the world. Right. right. And then even without in, one boob. <laughs> exactly. And you throw in breast cancer, um, your body's changing, um, you, you know, emotionally and physically. Yeah. It's like, Oh, now uh, developing, uh, a, a healthier sense of self is really the first step before mm you get out there and start dating because if you feel good about yourself, right. Yeah. That is translated to someone else as confidence. And ultimately that's the sexiest thing. Totally. Is, yes. Is confidence, but it's really hard to develop that if you don't know where to start. Yeah. And, um, 
if you feel confident about who you are today, where your body is at today, then you can confidently share that with someone else, right? If, yeah, if you make it weird, if you make it uncomfortable, it's going to be weird and uncomfortable. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Yes. It's crazy how it works like that. (laughs) I mean, that's the energy that you're going to be bringing into that interaction with someone else. Right. And so Mm -hmm. I just think that the struggle is, is real to begin with. Right. And then you throw in cancer and surviving cancer and your body's changed. And now you're like, Oh my gosh, how the hell do I do this? Right. And I think you can join a support group. You can lean on friends and family, right. And really talk it out. I think Mm -hmm. so many people just bottle it up inside. Maybe Mm -hmm. there's embarrassment around it. Um, self-judgment, worrying about someone else judging you and through the support of others, it can really help to just talk it out and do, um, do daily affirmations, do mere reflection work. Yes. Hire a coach who can help you with your body image, right? Yes. Um, sometimes we need to ask for help and that's okay. And if anyone is going to understand, it's mm-hmm. the person you're hiring that's like, oh my gosh, yes, please right. let me help you, right? Because sometimes we can't do it on our own. Totally. So I think the other thing that comes up is like, okay, now that I've found the confidence and I feel good about myself and I feel good naked, I love what I see. I want to share myself with someone else. Where mm-hmm. do, where do I start? How do I, how do I bring that up at what, yeah. at what point do you start to talk about it? Right. 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 Yeah. Like, do you, I mean, in my brain and by the way, love everything that you said, I'm really deep in this self-love piece right now. And, you know, the universe is going, whatever you believe about yourself, the universe is going to prove you right. You know, that's, that's kind of amazing. So, so instead of that freaking you out, remember that you have infinite choices for what you want to believe and you can deprogram these thoughts, but going back to this specific question, like at what point do we bring it up? A part of me feels that, okay, obviously if you're meeting somebody online or something, it might not be the first thing that comes out of Mm -hmm. your mouth. Yeah. Um, so, but it's interesting to me. I feel like before I get physical with somebody, I have to give them a little bit of a heads up that there is, and I don't know if this is the right word to say, but there's something different going on. There is a situation mm, sure. <laughs> that, yeah. that I, I feel like it would be a little bit, it might be hard on you. You might be setting yourself up for a little bit of a, I don't know, an ego bruise. If you don't tell somebody that there is a different kind mm-hmm. of landscape yeah. in, in the breastial region. Yeah. Um, what do you think about that? When would you advise that conversation to happen? I mean, I kind of want to first like put myself in the position of the other person mm-hmm. and think about, well, how would I want someone to bring that up to me? Right. Yeah. And it also depends on what type of person you are. Mm-hmm. Right. If you are the type of person who is just an open book Mm -hmm. and you tell everyone everything, like, hi, I'm raising my hand right now because that's who I am. Yeah. Like (laughs) I would probably say that out the gate, right? Like this is me. This is what I've experienced. This is now a part of me Mm -hmm. um, because um, surviving and beating cancer is a 
fucking awesome thing. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's like, oh my gosh, like I did this thing and I'm super proud of it. And it's Mm -hmm. now a part of who I am. And that, that adds to the confidence within a person. Right. So I think if you are that type of person, lead with it, go with it. Right. Mm -hmm. That's going to be a turn on to the right person who you're dating. I think that's the key point too, is (laughs) it is, it's a, it's a filter, you know, you're going to weed out the douchebags. Right. So let's say then that someone else is um, a little bit more guarded, a little bit more sensitive about it. And maybe vulnerability in general is a pretty big challenge for Mm -hmm. that person. Then you're going to want to wait a little while till you Mm -hmm. can develop a sense of safety and vulnerability with this person, knowing that once you share it with them, they're going to give you a loving response back. Mm -hmm. And that's going to reinforce the vulnerability that you're sharing with that person, but also developing intimacy Mm. in a hopefully budding relationship. Right. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. That, that will probably be of either a bonding moment (laughs) or the moment when you're like, Oh, this person is not emotionally mature enough to handle my truth. And I guess that's a good sign that if they can't, I mean, I don't know. A part of me, cancer is, is a big deal for a partner, the person who's not going through it. I mean, I think that's almost an under discussed Totally. The caretaker, their role and their experience is really, really mm-hmm. intense. Cause not only do they have to support you, but they have to deal with their own yep. process. And there's this never ending patience. I mean, it's, it's incredible, but to, you know, a new person, I think just like you said, that confidence owning the experience that is going to be beautiful to the right person. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And I also love that. I mean, this has been really empowering for me that there are certain accounts on social media and certain photo and art projects that are of women who've had a mastectomy and all the different iterations of what that surgery looks like, you know, whether it means you have reconstructive surgery or not and all that good stuff, but seeing the images, because one of the things I tell people about breast cancer reconstruction is that it is not a boob job. And one of the worst mm-hmm. things you can say to a breast cancer survivor patient is, Ooh, lucky you get a free boob job. Like that mm-hmm. is, that is not the thing that you say. Right. And it, cause it's, it's not, you know, it's, it's just, I mean, at least in my situation, there is a mound, a breast mound form, but it's under a very thin layer of skin. So it's, it's not your, it's not a porn star boob. And I know some women have, I mean, some of the women's reconstruction surgeries that come out really good, but there is a lot of, there can be a lot of wrinkling that women don't, that women don't realize because you don't have that, a lot of fat there. Mm -hmm. And I mean, that can be minimized a little bit with fat, fat grafting surgeries. If you do revisions, but if you don't want to opt for these continuous surgeries, there's going to be some wrinkles. There's going to be, I don't know. It's, I mean, it's literally just like a breast implant 
yeah. there, you know, and if you don't have the matching surgery on the other side, which is my situation, there are uh, two different, right. two different, you know, I like, I, I thought this was so funny when I told my surgeon, um, cause I was going to get the matching surgery and then I, and life came up and I ended up delaying it, but I was like, can you, can you make these two breasts look more like twins as opposed to distant cousins. Like that would be great for me. <laughs> and I thought that was so funny. That's so funny. Um, but, um, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> I don't know if they thought it was so funny, but I was just like, ah, I'm just so funny. Um, but so, yeah, so I think that's important to note. Um, another thing that I, women who are going through this experience or who have completed their experience and maybe are on hormone blockers or who have been put into forced menopause, they're dealing with some of the issues, the sexuality issues of, well, A, you're losing an entire erogenous zone Mm -hmm. because if you've had a mastectomy, you don't have feeling in that breast. Um, Let's actually hit that first. What, what is your suggestion for, you know, what if breasts and the touching of that area, what if that was like your hot button? Right. And it's and, gone. Yeah, no, it's it's very it's very common. And it's it's difficult because what was once a reliable source of pleasure is no longer there. Yeah. And now you have to pivot and explore your body in a new way, using a new mindset that can feel very challenging in and of itself. And yeah. um, just bringing touch and awareness to your entire body, going Mm -hmm. very slow, being very intentional about the kind of touch that you're bringing to your body can help you develop a new sense of your erogenous zones. Mm -hmm. And it could be that because the chest area is now numb, you don't really feel much there. That could be that other parts of your body are going to be more heightened with sensitivity So it's important to explore areas that you didn't attach to pleasure before, because you may start to be attaching it to pleasure now. And I think that's kind of exciting. It's kind of like, Ooh, it's a new, it's a new, you know, body exposure experience of like, Mm -hmm. Ooh, what, what does behind my knee feel like now? And what if, what if I use different objects to bring touch and sensation to that part of my body? Ooh, those are good ideas. Yeah, I never so, even thought about the back of the knee. Oh yeah. The back of the knee is delicious. What tell, give us, <laughs> give us, give us a couple other, what are some like lesser known erogenous zones? The armpits. Um, armpits. yeah, the feet, um, mm-hmm. having just touch and, and sensation brought to your entire backside can feel mm-hmm. really good. Um, I think a lot of times the backside, of our bodies don't get as much attention during sexual interactions as the front of our bodies. Uh Um, So if you are wanting to play around, especially with a partner, step outside the box of, oh, it's just hand on skin, on a hand on skin contact, bring in other things like feathers, silk, um, Mm. chains, um, leather. Mm -hmm. I mean, honestly, I call them pervertibles. It's things that are in your house that you can just look around and be like, Oh, I wonder what this would feel like. Yeah. Oh, Hey, go grab that. You know, um, (laughs) 
everyone has something in their house that they could use as a pervertible, but uh-huh. you can always go to an adult shop um, and, and do a little bit of shopping in like the BDSM area where they have the whips and the chains, right? The mm-hmm. fuzzy handcuffs. And um, sometimes I even go mm-hmm. to Michael's or Joanne's, the, the craft store. Wow. Okay. <laughs> and I go there with an erotic mindset. Oh, thinking, oh, so what would, what would feel good on my body and what could I do with it? <laughs> what was in your shopping cart where they just like, there are a lot of candles and fuzzy pom-poms. Yep. There's a lot of textures happening. Yeah. yeah. Um, one of my favorite things is just a feather duster or uh-huh. just any, any type of feather grouping. It feels really good. Different different kinds of feathers feel different. So, um, bringing sensation to the body through, um, just kind of like light dragging motions, maybe a little bit more pressure in different areas. And really what can really change the way something feels, especially if you are doing hand to skin contact is having a moisture barrier so Mm. that it, it doesn't create as much friction on the skin and it does feel a lot better. It kind of like wakes, wakes your nerve endings up in a different way when you have a moisture barrier. Oh, that makes sense. So, I mean, obviously I don't think you would use a feather and a moisture barrier, but if it was a harder object or Mm -hmm. yeah. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. Gosh, there's so many things I feel like I never even thought of. And what about, so another thing, I mean, when you're super stressed out or you're, going through chemotherapy or something like that, and you just don't feel sexual at all, or, um, yeah, I mean, what are some ways that people can connect with their partner when you're just not feeling that sexual? It's difficult to tap into erotic energy when you don't feel good, especially for women, we need to feel good in order to step into erotic energy and men step into erotic energy to feel good, generally Mm. speaking. So if, if you don't feel good about yourself, your self image, if you actually physically don't feel good, it can feel like a real hurdle to get over to like, get to that mindset. Right. So there's a saying in sexology, if you don't use it, you lose it. And we're talking about (laughs) sexual energy within the body. So if you can at least, um, start to wake your brain up daily to Mm -hmm. some sort of sexual content, either fantasy, um, utilizing imagination, uh, listening to audio erotica on an app called Dipsy, actually reading erotica, Um, having just sexual conversations with your partner will do it as well. Mm -hmm. Or putting on your favorite show or movie that, you know, has some sexual undertones Mm. like Outlander, right? Hello. Oh gosh. Outlander. (laughs) Yes. That is This may be one of the hottest tips. (laughs) That show is sizzling, isn't it? I mean, honestly, I, I stopped. I stopped. I think I'm in, I was like halfway through season two, but season one of Outlander, if you are not comfortable exploring even conscious or feminist pornography, it is, <laughs> oh gosh, it is the best. It's on Netflix. You can stream yeah. it and whoo. Yeah. 
hot, so hot, hot. hot. <laughs> so being able to wake your brain up at least daily to some sort of sexual content yeah. is I, I call it like your, your erotic battery that's within your, yourself. And when your erotic battery gets low, it's, it's hard to have sexual thoughts and feelings. And, and, and it's yeah. definitely difficult to say yes to initiated sex, right? Because you're like, oh, there's so much to do. I've got to amp this up. I got to do this. I got to do that. It takes me so long to get there, blah, 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 that it's, it's just easier sometimes to say no than it yeah. is to, to lean into that. So when you are wanting to have it, let me, when you want it to be easier to say yes to sex, when it does come up, mm -hmm. you have to keep your battery energized within yourself. Mm -hmm. So stimulating the brain, but also just stimulating your body through mm -hmm. touch and self-pleasuring. Mm -hmm. If you are inviting more self-pleasure into your life, then it is going to be more appealing to then engage in that with a partner. But one thing I really encourage my clients to do, especially if they're coming to me as a couple is to start redefining and broadening what your definition of sex is. Yeah. If it's, if it's a limited belief of sex is only penetrative or sex is only oral, then you don't have very many options to play with. Yeah. Right. If you have more options, if it's broadened, then you don't feel like you've been backed into a corner. And like my only option out is to keep saying no or yeah. to go through with it. And I don't really want to when, when you say yes, and it's really a no. Right. Yeah. And if you have more options and it feels lighter, it, it's going to, it's going to seem like it's more connective and penetration doesn't have to be on the table if you don't want it to. Yeah. And, and what about, I mean, there are times I know at least during my treatment. I mean, there was just no way it would, it would have hurt to have like somebody, totally. on top of me. but I think what's important. I mean, if you can speak to this, I mean, there, like you said, broadening this idea, but maybe even let's say you spend like five minutes eye gazing or something. Could you mm -hmm. tell us, if, I mean, would that, do you think that would kind of keep that connection going or yeah. And looking at, okay, what do I want and what do I need in this moment? Being able yeah. to answer that question is probably the most important step. Yeah. If you're unable to answer that, then that's where I would start. What do I want and what do I need and how do I ask for it? How do I advocate for myself in yeah. sexual interactions with my partner? Right. Um, that's, that's a hard step for a lot of women, especially. Yeah. Um, your partner needs to show you compassion, kindness, and care. Um, but really patience is probably the biggest part of that. Yeah. I think though, when couples experience cancer in mm -hmm. one of their partners, it's an extra layer of difficulty because a lot of couples don't talk about sex. Mm -hmm. So they haven't talked about intimacy and sex. Yeah. In a really in-depth way before cancer hits. Mm. So once then yeah. you're experiencing it, you're in it, you're in crisis mode. Yeah. And now you're also having to figure out this other layer of difficulty and it can really create distance yeah. if neither one of you really have the communicative skill sets 
to be able to express yourselves in that way. So it is difficult to then find resolution within that dynamic because it just can feel like you're, you're, you're talking in circles, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's when I would suggest seeking help from either, um, you know, a, a trauma specialist, a couples therapist, someone who can help you kind of get out of that spin cycle. Yeah, definitely. I mean, truth be told, you were my sex coach, my and my ex-partner sex coach. And yes, I was during my cancer experience. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was so helpful to just have this person to help us sort through this because it, it was really hard for me to feel sexual mm-hmm. at all. And, um, and, and even so I think after, because there was this trauma associated with my body and, mm-hmm. you know, with the breasts that, that is so much a part of, I think people's sexual identity. Yep. And, um, so it, it was, it was definitely a struggle, <clears throat> excuse me, but having you and the warmth and compassion that you showed us as a couple was, was really, really incredible. And I, I am so grateful to you for mm. it. Um, and so the other question that, um, I wanted to touch on with you was the, with these vaginal, the menopausal symptoms. So mm-hmm. vaginal dryness, pain during sex, what are some of your tips and tricks <laughs> for that I kind mean, of stuff? <laughs> Being a, a vagina, a vagina, that sounds weird. That sounded weird coming out of my mouth for a second. <laughs> Being a vagina owner, yes. there's, uh, you know, there's not a manual <laughs> that mm-hmm. comes with your vagina. And unfortunately in our society, we don't talk about vaginal health very often. Mm-hmm. Um, it can either be because we didn't get exposure growing up. We weren't educated about our bodies. Um, we feel uncomfortable. There's a, there's a disconnect to that part of our bodies because we've never really been given permission to explore it. So when you are experiencing menopausal symptoms, it can be confusing about like, what do I do? Where am I, where are the resources at? Right? Like how Mm -hmm. do I maintain a healthy vaginal environment? Mm -hmm. And even talking to a doctor, sometimes you don't quite get the whole story, right? Because doctors, (laughs) right? Um, So vaginal dryness is definitely a concern that is going to come up. And one of the products that I love is called Kiave. It's oil-based. It's all natural. It's a combination of six oils. Um, it's a vaginal moisturizer and lubricant. So you can use it during penetration, which is great. Um, but you can also put it on any part of your body that is experiencing dryness or you want a moisture barrier, like I was talking about earlier. Kiave mm-hmm. is wonderful. I um, love Kiave. Yes, I love I, it. And you, you had mentioned um, this was something you had tips me off on was using it, yeah, as a, a personal moisturizer, putting a couple drops on your fingers and mm-hmm. actually inserting them. And then I think you said like putting slight pressure. Was that mm-hmm. something yes. you said? And that helps with what, like atrophy or? Yes. Vaginal atrophy is when the vaginal tissue isn't getting enough circulation and stimulation. So mm-hmm. if you're actually going in and, and providing that stimulation to the vaginal wall, it is encouraging blood flow, keeping healthy tissue alive and like well. Um, but mm-hmm. also what can happen is there is a 
thinning of the vaginal tissue, which is what's really creating that pain with penetration. Um, So using key of A to um, go in, insert two fingers, and you just do a light massage all the way around on the vaginal walls and um, doing a light pressure in and out, like pushing out as you put pressure in. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Um, (laughs) But also one thing I know I'm like, I'm kind of doing it with my fingers. I'm like, I think that's right. You're doing it right now. Yeah. No, no. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I'm naked. And uh, so also one thing though, is you can use vaginal dilators in, if you don't feel comfortable putting your own finger in the vagina, you can use a dilator. They come in different sizes. Uh, I really love the company intimate rose Um, It's a line that was created by Dr. Amanda Olson. She is a pelvic floor physical therapist doctor and her products are top notch. I mean, all of my clients who I recommend them to love them Um, use code Christine to get $5 off K R I S T I N E. Um, And then if you want to check out Kiave, use code. So I married to get 15% off. They were, um, they were a sponsor of um, season one of our podcast because I reached out to them and I was like, can you please sponsor? I love you guys. Please. Seriously, <laughs> seriously. And I'll put the links in the show notes for that. But yeah, Great. we'll we'll definitely talk about your podcast too, because it is one of my favorite things. Um, yeah. Can those I are say great. one more thing about the vagina? Of course. Okay. So if you are experiencing kind of lulls where there is no stimulation or penetration happening with the vagina, either during self-pleasure or penetrative sex, then it's important that you are maintaining a routine of stimulating the vaginal tissue, like with the tips that we just talked about. Uh So that when you do want to have sex, when you are ready for some sort of penetration, it's not going to be super painful. You've, you've been, um, it's preventative basically. Okay. So got it. That goes back to the kind of, you gotta use it or lose it. Yeah. If you don't use it, you lose it. Okay. Okay. And so, wow, that I didn't even think about that. Um, that if you don't have penetrative sex for a long time, that it, it kind of increases your risk of having painful mm-hmm. intercourse. Absolutely. Mm, and that's damn. what we see a lot of in older clients, um, clients who like haven't had sex for 15 years. Right. Uh-huh. And there's experiencing pain. Maybe they want to start exploring sex again with their partner and it's just too painful. They can't because they're, they, they now have vaginal atrophy, but it can be mm-hmm. reversed. You can work on it and, um, bring that tissue um, back to life, so to speak. Oh, okay. That is really good to know that that can be reversed and treated and sort of alleviated a little yeah. bit. And it, yeah. and it sucks that as vagina owners, we don't know that about our own body. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's a lot of, there's just so much stuff that I feel like we, they've, you know, for a good reason, there's a lot of focus on the fertile years and babies mm-hmm. and stuff like that, but there's not a lot of information about what it means once you've gone through menopause or perimenopause, or, you know, even if you're young and you're forced into medical menopause, like what you do, because yeah, it feels like there's this idea in the medical world that once you stop menstruating or stop being fertile, that, okay, just kind of close up shop. shop. Yeah. Yeah. 
And I do hear from a lot of older clients who say to me, oh, like <laughs> I'm dead down there. <laughs> I'd like yeah. to revive that. And I'm like, no, like, you know, it's, it's not true. It's, it's a myth that you lose your sex drive once you go into menopause. And so like what I was talking about earlier with like building up that erotic battery within yourself is, is, is true even in that stage in life. So going into menopause, knowing that like really work hard at building up that battery and it's going to be a lot harder for menopause to, um, decrease it. Well, your, your libido. Yeah. Like tamoxifen is a very common medication mm -hmm. that a lot of women with hormone receptor positive breast cancer are given for five to 10 years after they've quote unquote beat cancer. And I remember when I just came out of my treatment and I was talking to people about it, a woman that I knew who had had cancer, she's, she basically gave me that warning with the tamoxifen that, oh yeah, just FYI, that's mm -hmm. gonna, it's gonna shut, shut things down down there. And that was really depressing to me. Yeah. That made me really upset. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm going to do a tamoxifen episode at some point because I have a lot to say about it. But when I do talk to my oncologist and, and I, I feel like there needs to be more options for women. I get that there it's a, it's, it can be a very effective thing, but there are risks and there are quality of life issues mm -hmm. around it. And I just find that very frustrating. Um, but Talk, let's talk about your podcast a little bit. Um, this is a great resource for people. If you want to figure out some sexual tips and also just how to talk about sex, one of your tagline, or I don't know if it's a tagline, but in the introduction, you and your partner, Michael, who is a comedian and you guys together are so hilarious. I just no, love it. It's such an easy, easy podcast to listen to. I put it on when I'm going on a walk and I just giggle like a crazy person. <laughs> I'm sure everybody is always like, what is happening? Um, but anyway, their whole thing is about normalizing sex mm -hmm. and Christine brings her clinical and professional perspective. And Michael brings his comedic perspective and just the experience of being a, a horny dude. <laughs> <laughs> and he is horny. He is horny. I knew what I was marrying though. I knew what I was getting into. <laughs> well, I just think it's great. Um, you guys as a couple are, are so wonderful, but yeah, tell, tell us, tell us a little bit about the podcast. How did that start? how did you guys get that idea? Well, I think once once people are around Michael and I for any length of time, they see that, that we have a really strong connection and bond and our banter is just really, really good. And that's yes. actually one of the, one of the main things that drew us together of like, Oh, maybe we've got something here. Like, I think I love you, you know, <laughs> is it's just so easy to be w around him. And so it's just really easy to be myself, you know, and mm -hmm. I think he feels the same way. So anytime people around us, like several people have told us you guys need a podcast, you mm -hmm. know? And so we just heard that so much that we finally, this was like, all right, well, let's do it. Here we go. And we started in 2020 and uh, we're, we're now entering season two and yeah. we're having so much fun. We are really wanting to normalize the conversation of sex, because I think if more people talk about this topic, the less taboo it's going to be and feel and communication is 
the top way to improve your sexual experiences. And so Mm -hmm. if we're talking about it more often, not only with like friends, but with our partners, right? You're going to, you're going to open so many new doors that have been closed to you as a couple. Yeah. And it's just going to help prolong that fulfilling sex life for both of you. Yeah. I mean, I think what's so great, it's it's the, so I married a sexologist podcast and I will also link to the show notes for that. And it's just awesome because you guys give like very tangible tips that aren't overwhelming for people. You talk about different sex toys that mm-hmm. you like. There's a new segment on this season where you guys are trying out a bunch of things yes. in, in your, in all the stuff that you've tried, is there would, what would you recommend to this audience? What do you think would be like your top pick? I really love Dame toys. D A M E. Um, I really, really, really love this company. Um, they, they have individuals and couples in mind, which I really appreciate. Um, they just came out with air it's a E R it's an air pulse technology. Um, I'm a huge fan of air pulse technology. Really? Uh, and I am not I, a fan. I will tell you that. Oh my gosh. I mean, from, <laughs> for, for me, it's maybe like, I'm not doing it right. I can experience an orgasm within, uh, three minutes. I mean, it's like, and that's not even really having my brain woken up yet. It's just like, Mm. Oh wow, that feels good. Um, but what I like about the air as opposed to other air pulse technologies out there is that it has a wider mouth. Well, what is, what is air pulse technology? Could you tell people? Sure. So it is supposed to kind of mimic the, the feel of oral sex on Ah, your clitoral head. Um, and it, and it has like, it whooshes air in and out and it kind of has like an air feel, um, like blowing on your clitoral head, but then it also has a little bit of a suction feel as well. And so it's, it's pretty rapid. Um, and it just feels amazing, but I have heard from several people of like, oh, it's, it feels too intense to, you know, put that on my clitoral head right away. And my suggestion is to, um, kind of bring it in slowly so that it just kind of sits above your clitoral head. So you're not actually placing contact to contact with it on your body. Um, and then start there Mm -hmm. and kind of move the toy around or move your body around while the toy is stationary. And then as you get more and more aroused, bring it closer to your clitoral head. And I feel like this is the new the new age of, of sex toys. I mean, mm-hmm. for some reason there's multiple sex toy stores by my place. And, um, as a single woman who really has no time or inclination to date right now, I did go in there not that long ago. And I was like, Hey, uh, show me, show me the most amazing thing that you have. That's under a hundred bucks. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and they were telling me these, these women, they were like, okay, we got to tell you about the air pulse technology. And there was another thing. I wonder if it was, it was like a, maybe it was the same thing, but it was like a suctiony thing. Or is that different than the air pulse technology or are they usually was it come- just suction? Well, it was like a wandy thing and it was like a circular top and it had, it was supposed to be sort of mimicking this, that same thing, clitoral mm-hmm. stimulation and, um, and I, I hated it. I hated it. 
and I, maybe I'm using it wrong. <laughs> what did you hate about it? Well, first of all, the suction part was too, it was sucking too hard. It, mm. it yeah, hurt. I could see that. And then also, and then when I used the other features of it, like with, they showed me the air pulse thing on my hand mm-hmm. and I was like, oh no, that's not going to be, that's not going to be enough for me. That's mm-hmm. not going to, and I don't know if maybe I have a, <laughs> maybe I've got like a dull, I don't know. Maybe I need extra stimulation or it something. Could be. Yeah. But I was like, I don't, I don't feel anything with, I felt really little anything. Um, Have you ever used a wand? Yes. And I, I do like those. Okay. Yeah. Cause yeah. I was going to say, if you need a little bit more intense vibe, a wand is the way to go. Yeah. And, yeah. um, Dame just came out with a new one called calm and they kind of reinvented the shape of the wand, which I really appreciate because all the wands that I've tried are just straight handled Yeah, and they curved the handle so that it's easier to place it wherever you want it. And it it just feels a lot better on the wrist too. Uh (laughs) Just so you don't get like carpal tunnel. Yeah. Masturbating so much. So I've heard before that if you use a sex toy that I mean, is it, do you get, do you get the same benefits? Like I know with, um, cortisol, cortisol release, like it can masturbating or orgasm can be really good for releasing cortisol. Mm-hmm. And I've also read that just stimulating yourself manually with your hand without a sex toy so that you have this time to really ramp up and allow for that sexual buildup. That's Mm going to give you a better cortisol release. Have you heard that? Is that a myth? You mean cortisol breakdown? Well, cortisol like releasing stress stress. hormones. Yeah. So basically like one way to release cortisol or just like kind of flush it from your system is by masturbating, but that it's best achieved or most efficient if you do it kind of organically by using your hand as opposed to a sex toy, because it's going to take you a little bit longer. And that buildup is a bit more slower. What is your opinion on that? My opinion is whatever gets you off, do that. Like (laughs) using your hand, using a toy, using a combo, like, you know, I think that there's a lot of misconception or myths around toy usage of like, Oh, I'm going to become desensitized or I'm going to become dependent on it or no, that's all bullshit. It is. Um, if what, what I recommend is intermixing self-pleasure touch with just hand on skin contact, just so you have Mm -hmm. that relationship with your body Mm -hmm. and like, Oh, I know what my body feels like. I know what kind of touch I like because you can then communicate that with a partner. And here's how I like to be touched. Right. Um, but also here's how I like to be stimulated with a toy. That's also an important thing to communicate to a partner because 70% of women need some sort of clitoral stimulation in order to experience an orgasm. Mm -hmm. So if you are always self-pleasuring with a toy, then Mm -hmm. you're wondering why am I not having an orgasm during partnered sex? Well, is a toy present? Mm Mm-hmm. If the answer is no, then you just answered your question, right? You just solved Ah. your own problem, right? Oh, bring Bring the toy toy. in. Yes. Yes. And how would you recommend if sex toys are not already part of your relationship, how would you recommend 
starting that conversation to introduce it. Self-pleasuring. Hey, let's, let's, let's mutually masturbate. Let's lay next to each other and you show me how you do it. And I'll show you how I do it. Mm. And boom. Oh my gosh. Guess what? I need a toy. (laughs) Maybe I need several toys. Look, aren't these fun? Yeah. Look what it does to my body. This is the reaction I get from using toys. Mm -hmm. Um, If a partner is having an objection to using a toy. Yeah. You need to explore that. First of all, if you're dating someone and they're not okay with you using a toy, maybe you're not dating the right person. Mm-hmm. If you're in a relationship, if you are married to someone who doesn't like you using toys, then you need some, <laughs> you need some outsourced help there. Right. Right. Um, right. Because nobody should have that, that ability to make that decision for you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. So however you are bringing pleasure into your body, your brain is going to be releasing those sex hormones, no matter what. Mm-hmm. If you are feeling good, if you are experiencing an orgasm, great, it is going to be breaking down and releasing that cortisol in your body. Mm-hmm. Even if you are bringing self-pleasure or self, self-touch and awareness to your body and you're in a relaxed state and you are feeling good, that's mm-hmm. also breaking down the cortisol in your body. Mm-hmm. You don't have to have an orgasm in order for it to be a valid self-pleasuring session. Right. Absolutely. Um, so you just had kind of a big milestone in your practice with, uh, with your new situation. Do you want to tell our listeners about what you're doing in, in Portland where you live? Yes, I would love to. Thanks for bringing it up. Yeah. I, I decided to join forces with my colleague, Alana, who is a sex therapist. So Uh let me just explain really quick. What's the difference between sex therapy and sex coaching? Because we get asked this all the time. Sex therapy is from the, uh, approach of psychology, right? It's working Mm -hmm. on like the mental state and sex therapy is looking at someone today and they're working backwards with you. Why are you the way that you are? How did you develop this sense of self? Mm -hmm. And so they look at that through the lens of sexology. Um, Sex therapists don't necessarily aim to improve your sex life. They aim to improve your mindset and your mental state in regard to sexuality. And Mm -hmm. what I do as a sex coach is I look at you from today and we look forward. Where do you want to be? What do you want to experience? What goals do you have for your sex life? And a Mm -hmm. lot of people just say, we want better sex. So that's what I do is help you achieve that goal. Mm -hmm. And so So, go ahead. Okay. So Lana and I um, are now business partners and we created the Rose City Sexual Health Collective. And we're opening Portland's first sexual health space for clients to come and have all of their sexual needs met because oftentimes for, there are some areas that overlap with therapy and coaching. Mm -hmm. Um, And so oftentimes we do uh, refer out to pelvic floor PTs, acupuncture, um, you know, infidel or not, yeah, not, not infidelity. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Oh, fertility concerns, like wanting Mm. to explore that piece of just being a couple, being an individual. Um, and so we want to really allow space for our clients to come in and feel like 
a, a sense of relief of like, ah, oh, I'm going to be taken care of here. And yeah. I don't need to go out to all these different places and tell everyone my story over and over and over and over again. We are going to be able to take care of this person or their or the or the, the couple who's looking for help in that area. That is so awesome. I'm really, really excited for you. But you Thanks. also take clients over Zoom. Yes. Right? Yeah. Yes. Because I'm a coach, I can see clients all over the world. Yeah. And I'm not tied to or restricted to just Oregon because I'm not a licensed therapist. So mm-hmm. it's actually pretty cool. I have clients. I've had clients from Canada and uh, Sweden. Um, I get actually a lot of clients now from the East Coast, which is really cool. Oh, cool. And they just find me through web search. Huh. Wow. I know. <laughs> I wonder what they're searching in there. I know. <laughs> But I mean, I think, you know, another, I mean, obviously I wanted to bring you on for so many different reasons, but you you, listening to Christina and Michael's podcast, the, so I married a sexologist podcast. That's a great way to kind of introduce yourself to some of this stuff. Mm -hmm. But if you really want to go in depth and work on rebuilding your intimacy with your partner or work on rebuilding your relationship with your body mm-hmm. after breast cancer, during breast cancer, all that stuff. Christine is an, an amazing resource for that. Yeah. I think it would really be beneficial. And, um, what are some ways that our audience could find you? You can find me at my website, mm-hmm. do your I have many videos up on my blog. Um, I used to be a regular on the local TV show here. I was the resident sex coach. So all of my uh, segments are up on my blog. I've written article for articles. I've been quoted in articles. So that's really fun. All of that's on my blog. And then also on my website at the top, um, you can just click on podcast and listen to the podcast, Mm -hmm. or you can listen wherever you find your favorite podcast, wherever you found this podcast, you can definitely, you know, find us on there. So I married a sexologist and you can book a session with me Mm -hmm. if you feel so inclined and you want to explore your sexuality deeper. And do you do a free consult call if, if people have questions? Okay. Yes. 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you, if you think this might be something that helps you and you just want to talk to Christine, I think that's always wonderful. So as we wrap up here, is there anything, any last words that you'd like to say to our audience? Yes. Oh, thank you so much. I just remembered. Um, so follow, follow me on Instagram, sex coach, Christine, and then also be sure to follow our podcast. So I married a sexologist on Instagram because this season we are going to have several giveaways and who doesn't love a giveaway, right? Everybody loves a giveaway. Most of the time it's going to (laughs) be, um, some sort of sex toy that we love and we want to just give out and, um, yeah, listen to the podcast and hopefully we can help you just develop a normalcy around this topic and feel more comfortable communicating it with others. 
Awesome. Well, I thank you so much for being here and uh, it's always wonderful to talk to you. I, like I said, I will be putting all of this information in the show notes so that, and with those discount codes too, I'll get those from you so that if you want to try some of those products that Christine recommended that I highly, I I think are great. I've tried a lot of them. So, all right. I just wanted to say, Michael and I are excited to have you as a guest this season on So I Married a Sexologist. Yes, I'm going to be on your podcast. I can't wait. I can't wait. Let's talk about sex. (laughs) (laughs) It's going to be like a big giggle fest, I think. When you, when you, Michael and myself get together, it's always a lot of giggling. (laughs) All right. Well, I'm going to go ahead and sign off here with you. And I hope you have a great rest of your day. And listeners, you got to get your sex coach, Christine. You got to get a sex coach, Christine, in your life. It's, it's, it's life changing. I think really. Okay. All right. Thanks, Christine. Thank you. Oh man. Wasn't that a good episode, everybody? I just love her. And I feel like there was so much good information there. And I think this is something that I'd really like to speak about more because I feel like sexual health and um, just maintaining your sexuality as a cancer survivor or as a woman, you know, dealing with any kind of hormonal changes or progression of her life is really important. It's a, it's a key element to health. And Christine did want me to talk about this because, um, you know, since the recording of this episode, I did go on some dates and, you know, I did have a chance to bring up my cancer experience and my mastectomy. And you know what? So far it's actually been really well received. And just like she advised in the episode, you know, if if you're confident about it and you feel you don't make it weird. (laughs) You know, it doesn't have to be weird. It can actually be a point of strength. And so I'm grateful to this conversation for really helping me with that because it actually felt very healing to get that out of the way. So anyway, thanks so much for listening. We will be back in two weeks for another episode and uh, I cannot wait to talk to you again. As always, find me on social media, juniebewell.com. That's my website. I'm on Instagram and Facebook, juniebewell. And uh, I will also link in the show notes. um, This is going to air the week before Valentine's Day. So if you haven't already downloaded my self-love playlist, self-love dance party playlist, I would highly encourage you to do so. It's such a great playlist to just kind of amp you up for a good time. It's impossible not to be in a good mood and, uh, and it's free. It's a freebie. So if you have a Spotify account, which they do have a free one, you can always set one up. If you don't already have one or you have Apple music, you can actually download it right to your account. And, uh, I cannot wait to talk with you all again. Write me a message. Let me know more about what you want to know about. And as always, I'm wishing you well. Take care, everybody.